it's very much in everybody's minds that uh, yesterday the government made very significant announcements about the relaxation of the lockdown and particularly the um, opening uh, of uh, places of worship from the uh, 4th of July. That has huge implications for churches. We're probably all beginning to wonder um, uh, what we should do, what plans we should make, what we'll uh, need to do. The really big um, headlines uh, are of course, firstly, and we're really grateful for this, that weddings will be allowed again after the 4th of April. That's something we've been pushing for with government for uh, weeks. And finally, um, there's been a response of allowing uh, weddings um, to go ahead. Um, the restrictions on that is that weddings will be only able to take place with a maximum of 30 people. The rules will be applicable to both religious and civil weddings and specific guidance will be published for weddings to cover that context. But it's good news and actually that is more people able to attend than perhaps we'd anticipated and that we'd uh, thought. So the issue of weddings um, is now um, resolved from the uh, 4th of uh, July. Um, uh, places of worship um, have been allowed to um, uh, reopen from the 4th of July. That was announced uh, yesterday. Um, and in the afternoon, I joined again a, a Zoom conference with government officials uh, that actually was um, attended by representatives of all different faith groups this time, where we had opportunity to engage with what had been said to raise concerns. Um, uh, there are a number of uh, key um, uh, issues that will flow out of this, and there's much uncertainty because the government guidance hasn't yet been published. I think uh, it would be fair to say that it was still being written yesterday afternoon um, uh, and therefore it might be a little bit delayed because of the very issues that were raised by um, the group. In essence, places of worship will be able to um, open, but they will be expected to ensure that their sort of place of worship is what's described as COVID secure. And the government will be producing guidance, some of which will be legal obligations, some of which will be advice or strong advice, as to how places of worship are able to be COVID secure. Um, places of worship, and particularly those responsible for them, trustees uh, and those responsible for the place, will be expected to undertake a risk assessment to make sure that their uh, venue is COVID secure and that they can operate in a, a safe uh, way. From um, our perspective, perhaps the top issues that are connected with that, um, there's some uncertainty as to whether or not the limit of 30 people applies only, only to weddings or to all gatherings in places of worship. Government officials didn't know and they didn't know what Boris Johnson meant. So we're waiting for clarification. The expectation is the 30 limit will only apply to weddings, but um, clarification is awaited uh, on uh, that. Um, uh, from a church perspective, it's clear that singing will not be permitted. Congregational singing is thought to be particularly dangerous in spreading the virus. Government claims it's done some scientific research over the weekend. So singing is unlikely to be allowed. There may be the possibility of singing of a person from the front who is leading, but because of issues connected with voice projection, they may well have to do that behind a screen um, if that's to um, take place. So we wait the full guidance on that. It's notable that um, in the regulations today for cinemas and theatres, they are not allowed to have live performances uh, in which there is speaking from the front, front towards the audience. So um, if you think that churches are being singled out, they're not. Look at the guidance as it relates to um, cinemas and uh, theatres. Social distancing is obviously the other key element with the um, uh, sort of social distancing requirements reduced from two metres to potentially down to one metre. But it's very um, uh, important to be careful there 
the guidance is still clear. If you can maintain two meter distancing, do so. Um, uh, and if you um, are unable to maintain two meter distancing and move down to one meters, then there may well be other mitigations that need to be put in place to reduce the risk. That might include, for example, masks, screens, hand washing, ventilation. Again, we have to wait for the guidance as to what exactly that might um, uh, sort of mean. The rules have also changed in terms of meeting in homes and outside. Uh, again, that has implications for churches. So for example, I think it's now the case that um, two households are able to gather together indoors, not just outdoors, irrespective of numbers. Let me say that one immediate implication of that for churches is if you've got online services, it means two households could gather together to watch the service together rather than separately, which is a significant step forwards. Your two households could quite happily sing together uh, inside in their household. So that's actually quite significant um, opportunity. Effectively means that two households can gather together for a, uh, a home group. The rules um, about external gatherings remain the same. Two households can gather together outside, um, irrespective of numbers. But if you've got people from more than two households, the maximum is still six people social distancing. So there's not really much scope there for external outside um, services because the rules on um, uh, outside gatherings uh, remain um, the same. One of the issues on which we're going to have to do some work, um, and I can't give you a definitive answer, is that because some of these areas are guidance and advice rather than rules, um, there may well be um, uh, significant issues of insurance and liability if you choose not to comply with what is expressed to be guidance. And I think there are some potential risks for churches there, and particularly for those who are trustees of churches, if they choose to ignore strong advice and whether or not they'll still continue to be covered by insurance um, in those circumstances. So that is something we'll work hard on. I've asked the question to government, as did a number of others, but we haven't had a reply uh, in relation to that um, as uh, yet. I put a little um, kind of some resources together that you can take away. Um, so we'll make that available. I put a brief summary post on Facebook yesterday in my blog today that summarises what came out of that discussion with government. And um, uh, also there's a very helpful document that was produced by GAFCON UK, the um, uh, Anglican group, helping church leaders think through as we move from lockdown to being able to meet again. What ministries do we want to continue? What do we want to learn from what's happened? What do we want to retain? What do we want to change? Um, I think it's really useful as a summary for leadership teams to think through um, uh, what it will be like after the lockdown has been uh, relaxed. I don't think we should automatically assume just going back to doing things the way that we did. So that's a potted summary of what I know. As I said, we'll come back to questions afterwards, but I hope that puts you in the picture. Uh, much is unclear and we still await the um, formal guidance from um, government. Well, let's turn to pick up on any questions connected with um, uh, the uh, lockdown. Um, uh, again, send your questions to uh, Johnny and we'll attempt to deal with um, uh, them with whatever knowledge uh, we have at this particular point. So, um, Johnny, is there anything coming in there that are, you want me to start off with? There are loads of questions, John. There okay, are loads I, th of I thought, I thought uh, there might I, be. I've put them into 13 categories so far. <laughs> So I'm just okay. going to plow on with them, if that's all right. So question one about yep. preaching. Should we prepare for preaching behind a screen? 
Um, nothing has been said about that. They've only mentioned singing, although there are issues of voice projection. That is seen to be the major problem. So um, in actual fact, they've talked about whether you might have a cantor or somebody leading chanting from the front of a building, which um, has particular implications for other religions and some Christian groups. There was an issue about Sikh communities and the need for the priests to sing at a wedding. So um, I think this has not yet been fully worked out in the guidance. And I think the real reason is that I think those drawing it up don't fully understand what happens in most religious communities. So I think we'll have to wait and uh, see. Um, in relation to preaching, whatever they say, I would say that amplification is a key issue because amplification can, of course, be done through the system rather than through the voice. So we can speak quietly, but play loudly um, uh, might well be uh, the option for many of us uh, in a gathered church context. But I think, in honesty, we'll have to wait and see what the guidance is. But there is clearly a government concern about the spreading of the virus by projected voice either by the person at the front or by the congregation. Thank you. Um, any indication on whether government guidelines will cover things like toddler groups and children's meetings, as well as worship services? Um, that was raised. And again, we didn't get any clear answers in relation to that. Um, obviously, there's guidance connected with, for example, schools already, which is to some extent relevant to churches. So particularly for additional Sunday school stuff that's not in the course of the ordinary service and other groups, it may well be that the current guidance that applies to schools would be equally applicable to uh, uh, churches. Um, I suspect that the guidance will contain more information uh, uh, about that. I do think we're going to have challenges maintaining social distancing with kids in our small groups, um, uh, creches and how we operate uh, in that way. As I've said before, I think some of these challenges are reasons why it might be sort of difficult for everybody to come back to church as soon as um, the lockdown is ended and churches are open. I don't think we should expect that everybody will flock back and there will be particular challenges of meeting the needs of children um, within our church communities. As I said, we'll have to wait to see what the guidance uh, actually says. I, I guess a lot depends too on the principles involved. So for example, toddler groups use lots of kit they're saying yep. you can't have the soft play areas. So in effect, that means that it isn't toddler, even if there is some way of doing it, it's not toddler groups as we knew it with lots of kit. Because Indeed. it's clean, oh. schools have put most of their kit away so that yeah, kids yeah. are contaminating it. I think there'll be cleaning issues. Um, actually in churches, if they're only doing something on a Sunday, you do have the advantage that things won't be used for a period of time. And the sort of 72 hour period for the virus to die means that things may well be able to be used the next week. Um, that actually has implications for perhaps, uh, certainly it was raised in relation to financial collections. If you're collecting money, maybe you have to leave it in a single receptacle for 72 hours until the risk um, has gone. Um, I, there is some evidence, and I don't know where this will come in the guidance, particularly if you have multiple services of cleaning and the amount of time between services. So, for example, there's some evidence in Singapore that the outbreak in Singapore was a result of somebody sitting in a church who'd been in Wuhan and then somebody coming and sitting in the same church at a later service in the same day. So there actually are going to be implications for if you want to run multiple services of the amount of time between those services and whether or not that enables the church to be COVID safe. Um, brief question. Do you know exactly when the guidance will be issued? No, and nor do they. So um, at the beginning of the call we had yesterday, we were saying within 24 hours, 
by the end of the call, the officials were saying mm, it may take a little bit longer than that, because I think a range of issues were raised that quite clearly they had not thought about or on which there had been some kickback. Um, and I think it's very complex because they're trying to devise guidance that will work for churches and all other places of worship. So, for example, practices like washing before services, which are hugely important for some religious groups, how's that going to figure? Um, in uh, the guidance. So I, I do have some sympathy for the complexity of what they're trying to do, um, but I think it will probably be a, a, a little bit delayed um, as they realise um, what the implications of their guidance might be. Uh, can we have John's thoughts on having staff and or elders meetings in church buildings, socially distanced groups of over six that is? Um, I don't know the answer to that at this point, but I would have thought that if you can gather for worship and be a bigger group than six with certain criteria, I don't see that it's necessarily a problem to gather as a staff team uh, more than that in the building. But I, that, that's speculation. You'll have to wait and see um, when the evidence comes. You can already gather outside as a group of six. Um, uh, if, if you can, you could certainly gather in a home as people from um, two households. Again, as I said, I think one of the options we have in the intermediate term is to do Zoom meetings where some people are gathering in each house. So there's more connection than everybody being isolated on Zoom, even though it might not be possible for everybody to be together. Um, I think we're honestly gonna have to wait for the guidance to come out to say precisely what it says. Uh, the likelihood is, um, I suspect meetings in church like an office the rules about use of offices will be relevant to that. So again, there'll be all the social distancing and cleaning requirements that are already applied to people in ordinary workplaces. Um, uh, this is kind of linked. Any clarity on whether buildings can be used midweek or is the guidance all Sunday focused? And then uh, no. the question, can music groups practice in the church building? Okay, I think and I'm only speculating here, as I understood it, this is about places of worship being opened for use. Mm -hmm. So it's not exclusively for Sunday worship. Having said that, all of the activities will need to be conducted within uh, a way that they describe as being COVID safe. Um, uh, so um, it might be possible to use buildings during the, the rest of the week, but again, all of those activities will need to be conducted um, in a way that reflects uh, the guidance. So I don't think there's a necessarily a problem with music groups gathering to meet, provided that they observe the uh, sort of social distancing um, uh, guidelines. Um, uh, obviously, as I've sort of said, wind inf instruments have been banned. So um, uh, uh, there won't be um, permission to use uh, kind of wind instruments, again, connected with government scientific advice about the risks. Um. I'll read this one. With outside events, there are areas which have to be complied with, e.g. toilets, toilets, hygiene, etc. I assume that would be the same if there was open church in the outdoor or in a tent. I would presume so. Um, again, you have to wait for the guidance. Um, as I said at the moment, the rules don't really allow large gatherings outside. So the hope that we can all suddenly do um, outside gatherings and have outside church, I think, is unrealistic. Um, uh, drive-in church is probably slightly different because everybody's isolated in their own cars it's a slightly different thing but um, if you're gathering um, outside the current rules are a maximum of two households gathering um, observing what social distancing is is appropriate uh, or six people maximum from uh, more than two households so we don't at the moment have permission to gather as outside services beyond those limits 
Um, also, I uh, alluded to this, and um, it's just worth bearing in mind, under the current legislation, uh, for technical reasons, um, uh, sort of all the property that is adjacent to your church building, which is owned by the church, whether car parks, gardens, etc., are regarded in law as being part of the place of worship. So therefore, they're subject to the same restrictions as the place of worship itself. The government have said they may, might, want, might want to change that, but it's complicated because of where it sits in legislation. But don't assume you can just use your car park or your church garden if you've got one. Um, uh, sort of uh, in a different way from the way you can use yeah. your um, interior space. Uh, what is the guidance about transport, especially traveling with people from other households in cars? Oh gosh, uh, I can't honestly say that I know that that, uh, that I have the answer to that. Um, uh, again, I think the um, social distancing um, requirement ought to be um, observed. Um, uh, they're still advising uh, not to uh, kind of use public transport if at all possible. Um, I think that we would be pushing it if we were collecting multiple people from multiple households in single cars and mixing them up to bring them to um, a building because that clearly isn't compliant with the social distancing uh, kind of um, requirements that would be um, necessary within the building. So I think that will be problematic, um, but you'll have to wait until the guidance comes out. Uh, one thing that um, I, it's worth saying is that government policy here is not to lay down rules for everything. This is part of the kind of strategy to want to grant freedom and allow people to exercise their common sense, which is why some things are going to be put in the terms of advice rather than law. Um, I think that's actually going to make life really rather difficult for churches because it means it's not going to be clear about what you can and what you can't do. Um, uh, you're going to have to make your own risk assessments about whether or not something is COVID safe or not. There are going to be then um, issues of insurance and potential liability that will need to be thought about, particularly by trustees of buildings. So an overly gung-ho, oh, if it's only guidance, we can ignore it. I think we're going to have to be cautious about that because of um, uh, both the potential witness implications, the legal um, implications, the insurance implications, the risk assessment implications. But on, on some of these things, it's going to be a grey area. That will also mean that there's going to be division and disagreement between different churches and church leaders as to what um, to do. So some will be more bullish, some will be more cautious. I think that's going to be a challenge that we're going to have to face over the next few months. Um, so linked to that, should we be gathering in fours and fives from different households or should we avoid pushing the boundaries? Well, I think gathering in fours and fives from different households under the current legislation outside is permitted. And then that becomes just a matter of uh, kind of wisdom as to whether you think that is a good thing to do. And it might be a matter of wisdom, depending upon the sensibilities of your own church congregation. So I think we're going to find, as I've said before on these webinars, some people in our churches are very nervous. Some people are still vulnerable um, because of their medical conditions. Um, so we're going to have to be very careful in what we suggest uh, and encourage people to do and who we suggest to do it and building in an awareness that there are some who may not feel that that is what they would want to do. So I, I certainly think there's potential for gathering together outside in groups of up to six. Some churches are already doing that, for example, for prayer meetings, for uh, home groups. The fact that you can now meet as two households inside um, uh, opens up new potential for getting more people together obviously engaging perhaps in a wider Zoom thing. So a, a church could get different households together uh, week by week, and that would encourage interaction between people. 
but you're going to have to think carefully about whether or not that is wise and I think we're going to have to be quite careful to bear in mind the sensibilities of different members of um, the, uh, uh, the kind of church. Um, we've also just got the other thing to bear in mind is this whole track and trace issue um, and whether or not we're going to have to in some way or other keep records of who is present. That's obviously um, essential for the way that track and trace works. That has the potential to mean that, say, for example, you've got your churches gathered together and somebody is discovered to have been in contact with somebody who's got COVID-19. That might mean that everybody who's gathered in your congregation is then told that they have to isolate for 14 days as a result of track and trace. So I think we've all got to bear in mind the possibility that as we gather in various ways, uh, if there is an instance of COVID-19, the net effect could suddenly be to shut everything down for 14 days after that. And you won't have control over that. Um, and if the statistics are to believe one in 1700 people currently has COVID, um, so the risks are not minimal once you begin to think about who people might be engaging with. So that is certainly just worth thinking through in relation to church life. We might think, great, we can gather, everybody be able to gather and it'll be back to normal. But you may well find that what actually happens is somebody comes into contact with COVID-19 or catches it, and then your whole church community that's been gathering is effectively um, told to isolate, self-isolate for 14 days. Uh, John, a number of folk have asked, um, what, what's the implications for what's been announced uh, for, for churches who don't have their own buildings and are meeting in rented venues? Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm afraid that that will be down to the rented venue as to whether or not they wish you to continue to be able to meet there with those criteria. So I think government in this instance, they can't force rented venues to continue to rent to you. Um, I doubt it's a matter of religious discrimination because it's actually more an issue of health and safety and how the regulations uh, will uh, work. So I'm afraid I think that if you're renting a building, we are very much in the hands of the providers. Um, we're in exactly that situation in Market Harbour. Um, the people who organise the bookings in our kind of school are all furloughed at the moment. So there's no response from them and can't gain any response from them. The school itself is unlikely to be open before September. Um, we've heard from one FIEC church this week that was told by the school it rents that they're not accepting bookings before January 2021 at the earliest. Um, and I think we should just recognise we probably don't have any enforceable legal rights in these circumstances to meet in buildings that we're renting. Um, I think here there is a potential for churches. So one avenue to follow is I think if you are a church with a building and you're aware of local churches that don't have buildings, maybe it's an opportunity to demonstrate grace and uh, allow other churches to perhaps have the potential to use your building at other times. Um, uh, I think that um, that may well be a sharing that is necessary um, uh, and if we want to be able to enable churches in places where perhaps there's no other FIEC church to be able to share maybe we need to be willing in our own churches to allow others to share our premises even if they don't thoroughly agree with our theological positions so churches that don't have places to meet are going to find themselves I think with a greater uh, kind of challenge. Obviously, if you're letting out your building, allowing others to use it, or you're using another church building, there'll be all the distancing and cleaning requirements that would go with that. But I genuinely, I think that there will be issues for many churches that are using hired premises, particularly premises that are not other church buildings. Um, someone has asked about communion from the 4th of July. Mm. 
Okay, can I just preface everything I've said relates to England, not Scotland, Wales and Northern Ireland. I should have said that. But I'm conscious some of you are from those jurisdictions. Having said that, um, I suspect that the other jurisdictions will adopt something reasonably similar to what is being done in England, but with some modifications. So um, I think the, the general gist uh, is worth thinking about no matter which jurisdiction you're in, but the specifics um, will be different. Um, I don't know what the answer is specifically in relation to communion. That again is an issue that I think will be um, addressed in the guidance. The guidance will cover the use of food in um, uh, places of worship. And actually food is relevant to quite a lot of different religious traditions and faith traditions uh, in the UK. Um, if there's one thing I picked up, and I don't know how this will be fleshed out, um, the idea was being mooted of all food needing to be individually packaged um, uh, in order to avoid the spread of coronavirus. Um, if that is carried into effect, that could have implications for obviously the way that we do communion and how we operate communion. I think there'll probably be something along those lines. Um, we'll have to wait and see how it comes out. But don't jump to the conclusion that um, we're going to be able to do communion in the way that we have been doing it. I think we're going to have to wait for the specifics. OK, thank you. Um someone says this isn't intended to be a silly question but it's one we've discussed as elders and deacons without resolve so they obviously want you to resolve it john uh, when we open up any idea what we're supposed to do about toilets with issues of cleansing and distancing um uh, uh not off the top of my head um uh i think that uh, there is again some evidence there's been some evidence of toilets being particularly significant for the spread of the virus there was some research done that showed that flushing toilets spreads the virus over a three meter area. Um, so that's a matter of concern. Um, I, I think that the issue of toilets and toilet facilities will be pretty much the same for churches, for pubs, for hospitality venues, uh, for shops that have toilets open. So the guidance there I think will be um, equally relevant to um, churches. The government advice, uh, uh, advice um, hasn't yet come out in detail on any of those and we'll update you as soon as um, it is it is available. Um, but I suspect that cleaning between individuals, uh, flushing um, uh, issues, um, uh, queues and social distancing as people wait for toilets uh, will be uh, key issues. Um, it may well be that things like coffee, etc. are going to be problematic after church anyway, and that therefore what will actually happen is most people will go home pretty quickly. Um, uh, uh, after church and therefore you might be best advised to only allow minimalist toilet facilities for people who are desperate during the church service. Um, but I think we'll have to wait for the guidance to see what uh, it, the implications are. Um, has any direction been given on kids groups, i.e. do all kids have to socially distance? If so, that pushes us to having all age type services. Um, as I said, I, there isn't specific guidance there, but I think the rules on social distancing apply to children as to everybody else. There isn't an exception for particular groups of children. Um, obviously, um, uh, there are challenges um, in the way that children might move between all kinds of different groups within a church and therefore increase the interaction um, between them. Um, as I said, I think the guidance that is produced for schools and nurseries, um, uh, we could at this point take notice of. Uh, in relation to churches. We'll have to wait and see what the specific guidance for places of worship um, says. So someone has asked, um, could, it must be in the country, um, could you use local farm spaces for church gatherings? 
I've already said external gatherings are limited by the numbers. So um, uh, the numbers on external gatherings are still a maximum of six people outside from multiple households, socially distanced by two meters, or eight people from two, oh sorry, or up, yeah, up to two households gathering together um, outside. So again, um, uh, the guidance uh, would not allow that at the moment. And I think we'd need a change in the general government guidance on external um, out, uh, sort of meetings to um, uh, be able to do what seems to be being suggested. Um, questions are still coming in, John. Um, That's which, okay. And, and lots of them are kind of questions because of things you said. Uh, could more than 30, say 50 people, meet in two separate rooms with AV connected? Uh, the 30 people, again, I haven't made that clear. Um, there's some confusion over what the 30 people relates to. 30 people are the maximum that can attend a wedding. The Prime Minister talked about 30 attending a wedding on um, uh, a kind of in his broadcast, but it, it kind of wasn't clear whether that was just the weddings or all worship gatherings. Uh, the government department didn't actually know which the answer was because they're obviously taken aback by slightly the way he phrased it. The expectation is that it will be a limit of 30 for weddings, but not for other worship gatherings. But they are awaiting specific clarification from number 10 that that is the intended um, uh, sort of case. As soon as that's known, we'll let you know. Um, uh, you might already be saying, well, doesn't that seem slightly mad if you can have more than 30 people in your church, but only 30 for a wedding? Well, the reason for that is because the wedding regulations are designed to cover every type of wedding venue and to have the same regulations for all wedding venues. And of course, the majority of wedding venues are now civil wedding venues and often hotels and places where the celebration afterwards. So I'm afraid the same rule is going to apply to everybody. Uh, John, I think we should deal with two more questions and they kind of bring it to That's fine. In. Apologies to those whose questions specifically haven't been asked, but I think we've covered most of the topics. Um, this is an important question. Although July 5th is the first Sunday that this applies to, what do you think is a realistic date for churches to start meeting together in some way? Actually, I think that probably entirely depends on your church and your facilities and how ready you are, how many people you've got, um, and how um, uh, a kind of the congregation feels about gathering um, together. And people will have different views on that depending on what policy they've taken with their church in the in-between time. So I don't think there's a definitive answer to that. Um, you will have to undertake an appropriate risk assessment and resolve all of the issues that we've been talking about in order to make sure your building is COVID safe if you want to use it on the uh, sort of 5th of July. I think the other big question in the background is that for many churches, if in the end, gathering together as a church on a Sunday morning in the building basically means gathering together, no singing, social distancing, not able to have coffee, limitations on who you're able to connect with there in the building. Churches will have to make the assessment as to whether or not that actually is beneficial in building up the congregation and achieves what the church wants, or whether in actual fact the way they're meeting now, perhaps with the modification of households gathering together to join an on online service at the same time, might achieve all of those objectives uh, more effectively. So, uh, for example, within our church, we picked up an idea that we've nicked from somebody else of doing Zoom coffee after our morning service getting you know, groups of five or six people on Zoom to have coffee together afterwards for a chat. And that goes some way towards mitigating a little bit of the loss of not being able to gather together. And I think for many churches, particularly larger churches, it's gonna be a, a difficult call as to the advantages between gathering and continuing to do what they want to do 
um, and what unifies the congregation and holds everybody together. The other big challenge we've got is that in many congregations, there'll be some people who are either unwilling to gather or because of their vulnerability can't gather or transport issues. Do we want to divide congregations into those who can come and those who don't? And I think in many churches, if we're, if we're going to start gathering, we've got to think seriously about how we make sure we continue to serve those who aren't able to gather. So I don't think there's by any means a simple answer there. I think it's just a, you've got to work out in wisdom what you can do and what will work best for your particular uh, church and your particular congregation. Uh, final question, but I'll combine two. Do you think congregations, people who come should be asked to wear masks? And will we as the FIC uh, be providing uh, government uh, guidance on how government guidance applies to our kinds of churches, things like template, COVID safe risk assessments, checklists, etc. so we can share best practice. So we, we will, and will we share best practice? We will certainly try to share best practice. As you can imagine, this stuff all comes out very quickly. And one of the complaints in the group with number 10 has been that the guidance simply doesn't come out in enough time for people to respond to it. So um, uh, we will try to provide um, guidance, but often the, the intricacies of the guidance require a little bit more thought, particularly on legal liability issues. And it may take us a bit of time to distill um, what is best for churches. So bear with us and we'll bring out as much as we can as quickly as we can. In relation to masks, what I've picked up is that um, the government reducing the um, social distancing limit from one from two to one plus if two is not possible they will suggest uh, sort of modifications uh, uh, that um, enable you to reduce from two to one if you can't do two. Um, uh, masks have been mentioned as one of the possible mitigations that might make that happen. It seems to me unlikely at the moment that the government is going to make masks compulsory in a church context. There seems to be unwillingness to lay down definitive rules uh, in, in that way, but we'll have to wait and see what the specific guidance says about the mitigations if you're reducing social distancing uh, below uh, two meters. On the Zoom call, there were some people who asked um, uh, whether or not it might be possible to have congregational singing if everybody was wearing masks, basically um, uh, saying that that would enable people to sing without the risk of aerosol transmission. I'm not quite sure I know how singing would work with masks, but um, that point was noted. I, I think we're not gonna get anywhere with that. I still think government will definitively say that singing um, it carries a greater risk and therefore they're not prepared at this point to um, uh, sort of uh, uh, advise that singing takes place in, in congregations. But I would be surprised at this point if masks become compulsory. There may of course be people in our congregations who feel they want to wear masks. Again that'll probably be an issue in which there is some degree of division between different Christians as to um, what they feel um, and, and what they feel their level of risk is. John, our time is gone. One wag that has suggested has asked that if uh, masks are required at church, could we provide FIC ones with the FIC logo on it? But we'll leave that. I, <laughs> I think we could have a whole competition as to what masks uh, we should have. I'm really surprised that 10 of those haven't produced evangelistic masks as yet. I would have thought that really ought to be a gospel opportunity for all those on kind of uh, public transport. And you can actually have a whole series of masks with different verses on them, a different verse for each day, maybe a series of masks with two ways to live pictures on them. It seems I, to me that there's a missed, missed opportunity there. We must end, it's half the Thank half you. Uh, Shall Johnny, I pray? Yeah, that would be great.
Father in heaven, we are in desperate need of your wisdom as we navigate unusual times. Please help us each as we apply what we've been talking about and as the guidance comes out, apply what the government is saying to our particular situation. Uh, give us grace and tenderness with the congregations we serve as even they will have many different views. And above all, in what we do and how we do it, would we honour the name of the Lord Jesus? And in whatever circumstance we are in, keep on proclaiming him and his great salvation. Uh, please help us in all these things. We commit each other into your hands. In Jesus' name. Amen.